0: issues that we're able to kind of look at this and go okay how do we um, exemplify them sometimes how do we uh, seem to fall into the same problems and pits and challenges that satan throws at us and so i think it's important for us to look at these things and and not just be casting stones because it's too easy to just do that going man this is crazy how would you ever do that but to be introspective to look at ourselves and go okay um, these problems aren't new and they're not going away. And how do we deal with them when they arise in our lives, our church, our family, our work. And so let's look at the whole chapter here. I've asked uh, Mike Shepard to read the entire chapter. It's just 13 verses. And I would entitle this maybe uh, flee immorality or someone else term this Remove the Splinter, and I think that uh, is helpful as we look at this. So let's uh, read this text together, and then we'll dissect it a little bit. So, Mike.
1: It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, and immorality of such kind that does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant, and have not more, instead, Spirit have already judged him who was so committed to sin as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, and I with human Spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his Spirit may be saved in the name of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven loves a whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new one, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. Now, I did not mean all. I I did not all mean with the immoral people of this world, or with with the uh, covetous and swindlers. Or with idolaters, for them you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so called brother if he is an immoral person, or cut or an idolater, or a revival, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves.
0: All right. So there's been uh, this issue of um, this man who has his father's wife that has um, taken her as uh, his mate and um, that it has created a disturbance that he has uh, not only been uh, has heard about it that their influence has uh, that it is it is known among everyone it is not a secret Sin. It is something that has uh, gone beyond the walls of that congregation. And, you know, he's saying here that there is immorality among you. And that's such an interesting thing because, again, we are not a perfect group. We didn't come in here and have everything taken off our list this morning. I'll just speak for me. We are a redeemed people. We are not a perfect people. We don't have any, we don't not have any blemishes. And I know that's a double negative, but that's the way I speak, so um, deal with it. So, but again, we realize that there is, we all have the things in our life that we struggle with all the time. But, you know, as we look at this, there is a difference. And I want to uh, kind of hash that out a little bit. What makes someone immoral as opposed to a redeemed sinner? Um, So immorality, the Greek word, and I'm not a Greek scholar, uh, this porneia, this sexual unchastity, this illicit sexual intercourse in general, it is this idea of every kind of unlawful sexual intercourse, adultery, incest, sodomy, lesbianism, bestiality, all of those things are wrapped up into this idea of immorality. Paul describes this sin with shock. He is flabbergasted that this sin is among them and not just among them that there seems to be some acceptance and a almost a, a bragging about this situation he's saying not even the gentiles have this problem uh, you know it's almost like making someone from Las Vegas blush. I mean there there is a you've you've drawn the line and you've just jumped way over the line. That seems to be the issue that uh, is is in the church in Corinth. So let's look at verse 1 and I ask this question. Why would this immorality be worse since it wasn't even known among the Gentiles? What is it about this report that Paul is trying to get them to understand. What what are you seeing in this that makes that worse? Bob?
2: Well, and for one thing, it was uh, condemned. Leviticus uh, eighteen, uh, so it was condemned there. And I also read that
0: the Romans and the Greeks all had laws against this particular thing. Okay. And, and
2: moral as the Romans and the Greeks were, you know, they were kind of the type of people that anything else, except this. So this wasn't even allowed uh, among the Romans and the Greeks, but here the Christians were uh, approving them because they weren't doing anything about
0: Yeah, well said. I think that's uh, definitely part of that. What other thoughts do you have? Leanne?
3: It seems like there's an implied
4: heart issue like arrogance or pride that everybody knows you what you're doing and you're taking advantage of Jesus' grace.
0: That is definitely part of that. Taking advantage of the grace that's offered that it's like, okay, you know, it, it is so out there that it's just, it's just, like, uncomfortable, yeah? What else, Nina? Also, uh, the pagan, excuse
5: me, pagan worshipers, they worship pagan gods, and immorality, sexual immorality was a part of their time worship, and so it was like, it was common to them for Practicing se- sexual immorality even in their temples as a part of their worship. But they wouldn't have outside of there anybody that was a part of sexual immorality with mm-hmm. their own family. It was even pagan to them. <laughs> and so if it's bad to them, mm-hmm. it's
0: bad. Yeah, yeah it is, it's interesting. Yeah, great. Uh,
6: some have you even, even implied that maybe there's a sense of uh, tolerance, that they're arrogant. This view of, look, everyone's welcome, come as you are, and, and we won't make any kind of comments about your life. that um, they don't seem proud of the fact that we'll let, we'll let him even say, Mom, it's dangerous.
0: These problems aren't, they are not going away. The These issues are all over our culture. Um, and I think it, there's some lessons to be learned. So why was it worse? Why was it? I know we've, we've touched on some of this, but what's Paul trying to get them to understand that not even the Gentiles are accepting of this? Why are you allowing this? What is happening to the church there in Corinth? What is happening to them? Mary?
5: Marital relationship is a uh, metaphor for us in our relationship to God and Christ. So by him violating his parents' sexual purity, um, you know, it's deeper ramifications for how the church is right of Christ in order
0: to be loyal to him. No, I think that's a major component of that. Misha, any other thoughts on hands? The truth is supposed to be a
5: light in the world. So if the world even thinks it's
0: bad, how are they gonna have influence on the world? I think that really hits on what he's saying. It's like you're losing influence. This report that you're allowing anything, everything, things that are just way out there, you've become less influential. You are not able to then speak the gospel, the good news, this idea of redemption, if you're just allowing this splinter to be in your body. I think that's a big part of that, Jesse. Yeah, I think so. Uh, just that loss of credibility, There, um, there's no power in Jesus' blood if you're just continuing to sit in the mire. Yeah. Paul said, It's not a good situation. Um, and again, it just makes them look hypocritical. Uh, they are lowering their standard of holiness. Uh, and again, we can look over and over again about trying to maintain that to show God working in us. Um, uh, we've got Emery? It is a barrier, and I think uh, we need to just analyze our own lives and our attitudes um, as well. I think that's important. And um, I tried to think through, is there any example that we could think of modern day, like how this would come out? I mean, I, I thought of some weird ones, but I, I don't know that that's very practical. H- how does that look today? What is it that we're needing to observe in our own attitudes? Nina, what you got? When I was a girl with the Appalachian Mountains, I saw this play
5: in our community. Okay. <clears throat> and it was... We lived in, you could only get in one way and out one way across the streaming bridge. So we were literally a community. We just thought the church is supposed to be a community. There was everything in that community. We had people who fornicated. We had drunks. We had, but we had a man that lived with his daughter. <laughs> and you talk about ostracized. <laughs>
3: That was the ultimate no. You don't deal with your daughter.
5: You don't defile your children. You don't, and eventually they got put out of the community because the community couldn't live with them living like that. And yet yeah, all of the other things around wasn't, you know, it wasn't, we had our town ground, so nobody did community. So, but that was the ultimate thing and he was a horrible man, well, we you
0: know, mm-hmm. but they they put an act of the community. You know, I think that's, to me, that is always a living example of this. If I saw this happen in a worldly community, how could it not happen in a spiritual? Yeah. And, and I, I keep thinking, how does that play out in our lives? And it's like, it probably is going to be around leadership, power money it's someone who has influence in the community and yet they're doing things that aren't correct that we prop them up because of external factors in their life and not looking at the heart not looking at them like jesus looks at them the church was divided in things that they were supposed to be unified and now they're unified in things that they should be dividing and it's so interesting that they're having the same problem in reverse of the lord's supper and other issues of combining and dividing the group That it seemed like they were all in on this guy when they're having problems figuring out these lines and again it just plays to the immaturity um that the group has and i think that's uh something we need to be careful of Beth. And I think that's, to me, that is something that I need to be careful of, that constant exposure to sin and that doling of my own right and wrong, because Paul's saying, you guys are puffed up about this. You haven't even figured out that this is wrong, let alone trying to get it out of there. I mean, it is just like a splinter. You've got to dig that thing out because it will affect you. Man, you get a little wood splinter, or even a little metal shard. I get that sometimes when I'm dealing with screws and a little tiny metal. Oh man, I can't do anything. It just is like, oh wow, it just sets you off and the only thing to do is go down in there and dig that thing out until it is out, and the sore left by my digging is much better. It's going to heal a lot faster after I've gotten that out. But it affects my entire body when we have just tolerance for sin. Um, As in, we talk about things that we allow.
2: About the tolerance he talks about is uh, 11. You know, it's going to mess things up. But not only will it adversely impact the congregation, verse 5, you're not going to save that guy. If you tolerate it, you're not going to help him whatsoever. In, in verse 5, it says, You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. There's hope for him yet, but
0: you can't tolerate what he's doing. I think that's an important factor too. Uh, there is no too far gone. The, the, there's, there's no one that has done, oh, I've just done too many bad things in my life. There is none of that. There is always hope. There is always redemption for those sins but there needs to be a repentant heart. There needs to be uh, a changing of those things. Caitlin. radical transformation that's good let me read a quote here uh it's like four or five sentences so i know it's long uh, paul butler wrote this he said their pride undoubtedly centered in their concept of sophistication or broad-mindedness the elder and leaders of the different factions may have rationalized What our brother does in private life is entirely his affair. Our obligation is to continue to love him. We dare not be judgmental toward these people. Perhaps they justify their approach to the circumstances by saying to themselves, when you live in Corinth, you have to adapt somewhat to its culture. Besides, moral change with the times and we should feel certain obligation to loosen up ourselves and become less bigoted and more tolerant. That's, um, that's an indictment. That is knowing the truth, knowing the blood of Jesus, knowing that redemptive process. It is not allowing someone to stay in that sin. It is fishing for men. It is bringing them to a higher level of spirituality i think that's a a challenge for all of us to uh, not fall into that same acceptance of immorality other thoughts on that question Let's move on. Um, is somewhat similar. No, is that the same question? Uh, let me just ask it and see if any thoughts come to mind. Why might the Corinthians have become proud over this situation? Uh, we might have touched on that. Maybe just slightly different. Um, why? What was their arrogance about this? Like, Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. that seems likely. Uh, again, we don't have any indication of that, but uh um, oh here it just said uh Monday. do whatever i want the love is discipline the love is parameters the love is saying no i love you too much to allow you to do this Um, and so yeah it it has a i mean love plays a big factor into the conclusion to this problem um but this type of acceptance isn't love i think he's trying to make that distinction
5: It's going to send you to hell, whether you like that or not. It is. And so that should grieve us when we see our brothers and sisters living
0: in sin. We should be mourning and crying over that, not accepting it and patting on the back and know, That's not the true love of God. Yeah, okay. yeah that reaction should have been mournful discipline. It is uh, definitely part of that. So, Jen? Uh, the was of when
4: Jesus
0: left the yeah, that compassion, that just longing for turning back to uh, God. That, that's a uh, love Jesus's compassion in that—it's uh, not a scorning uh, all the time. It is a desire for reconciliation. Yeah, I think that's part of that. Um, all right, let's look at third question here. Um, give some examples of this idea of a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Right? Bob mentioned it, you know, again, that splinter analogy didn't even go quite as far. He's saying it's not just going to affect your finger. It's going to start spreading. It's almost like it's multiplying splinters all throughout you. It is, it is going to be all consuming. How, what is your mind? How do you interpret this idea in verses six to eight of, uh, you know, this boasting isn't good your arrogance is not good, this is going to continue. Jesse? The first thing that came
6: to my mind is, is uh, toxicity at work. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm self-employed, so I don't uh, have that problem. But uh, if I do, let me know. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, gonna be interesting. But yes, I mean, you know, you've seen that. You you've experienced a group that is just dysfunctional. I mean, hey, we all have a little bit of dysfunction. I mean, you you went home for Christmas. I know. Um, there's always some dysfunction. We all have a little bit of dysfunction. But it is more than that. It is just permeating. it is it is developing an infection that rolls into itself. So, Katrina, Yes, Well, you hit it that is um, that's big especially men you you can't have that in your life you, you can't be looking at pornography and think that everything is okay it, it is prevalent it is abhorrent it is everywhere and we've got to fight against that we got to be careful and I think um, that complete removal is what is necessary
4: In the chapter, he mentions some things that are not as immediately visible as sexual immorality, but that are just as sneaky as the little eleven. Um, greed, especially is especially in this culture, is very sneaky and just as um, influential. Mm-hmm. Uh, idolatry, slander. <laughs>
0: uh drunk group or somewhere. Yeah, I think so. Lisa. We see that in our physical bodies. Um, how much more in the spiritual body do we understand that that it is a poison? It is going to affect others, and and that's the challenge uh, is making sure that what I hold sacred isn't affecting other people. Uh, how am I influencing? Am I influencing positively or negatively? Craig. And what do you have? Good.
6: Paul tells us
2: that we are crucified uh, the flesh. You know, put away those things. And, you know, over and over again, you know, get away from it. In this situation, you have a very sad that tops all of its other legs, you might say. And you're tolerated. So, what does the rest of the congregation think? Well, if that's okay, why do I have to work so hard against this thing? I'll just get into it, and they'll accept exactly me just the way they were that it. So it's it, very dangerous. Yeah, it is. It, it's pervasive. Yeah.
5: I, I don't want to miss the fact that he said that Christ is our Passover Lamb and he has been sacrificed. So there's our pure, clean, perfect Lamb. That has been sacrificed for us he doesn't want us bringing all of our dirty stuff to offer up to him he wants the spirit that has been cleansed to come before him
0: agreed the immorality in the church is a cancer it just continues to spread i mean we get that analogy um, Paul talks to the Ephesians uh, in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, verse 3, But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. And then in verse 11, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. So the Corinthians weren't the only ones dealing with this type of immorality and that developing within the body of Christ and and letting that cancer grow and and change the church. I think that's a, a warning for us as well. Any other thoughts on that question? So let's move on to um, this last question. Why might it be less acceptable... I don't know if I worded this So, Why might it be less acceptable to associate with the immoral of the church than the immoral of the world? Because he's saying in verse 10, I didn't say go out of the world. I didn't say create a monastery and all of you guys that are perfect just go and hang out together and don't ever allow any sin. Don't interact with anybody who has ever done anything wrong. That's not what he's saying. He's saying... I didn't mean that. I meant don't let it be a part of your inner group. You're the body of Christ. I am saying don't not hang out with people who have issues and need the gospel. He's saying, what's the difference? Why is it less acceptable to associate in here within our brotherhood within our body than outside what thoughts do you have on that? Leanne and Rissa I think it's about what you do with the truth if you know the truth and
4: you choose to reject it and go your own it's different than if you don't know the truth. It's how you're handling the Word of God. Okay, it's how you're handling that. Yeah, that's part of that. And I think it goes back to influence. You've got this person that
5: says they're a Christian and they're part of this church and yet people see, people outside of the church see the immorality and so the influence is just gone. If, if we're working with someone that's outside the church that's in a sinful situation, we're trying to bring them to the light. So it's,
0: it's a whole different scenario. It, it's, a, it's a delicate balance. Um, I'll come back in just a second. Um, of our influence. Our influence has to be able to permeate into the situation that we're in. We have to be careful not to allow the, the influences to go the other way on us or to callous us. Um, so there is a, a delicate balance that I think we need to be really careful of understanding. Oh, I'm just going to go chum out with uh, the guys at the bar and, you know, just allow that to um, not be a big deal. Because But you can't live a dual life. You've got to be able to let that influence come through your interactions and not necessarily the other way around. Caitlin. Okay. Wherever we are, we are in Christ. Yes. We are ambassadors of Christ. We represent Christ. Christ lives in my heart. How does that not come out? It should come out, I'll just tell you. In your influence with others, they should be seeing that ambassadorship. Michael? Another. Verse fourteen about do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Um, some people will take that to mean people of the world. Some people will say that stealing sin in the congregation. But to go with some of the points that have already been made, it's counterproductive to say that I'm trying to live the Christian walk and yet I'm going to yoke myself. With somebody who's living an openly immoral lifestyle. Salt and light, right? That's what Matthew talks about, becoming salt and light. You know, Matthew chapter 5, you, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot Be hidden, nor does any light light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. Salt and light. You know, we have those little images on our refrigerator of the kids to help them see that they are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. We are. Influencing the world, we have to be shining Jesus to people when we're out and about everywhere. I think that's important,
3: Jesse, and then um, Mary. (laughs) probably just restate a lot of what you've said, but there, Paul is talking about this bound, this mental boundary, and for a lot of my.
6: To kind
1: of bring that bounty to a spiritual level, it is very easy to cross that line out when you leave this place. For me,
0: comes back to love it's are we loving each other are we um, concerned about each other enough to
4: Um, and people know whether we have that or not. They know if we just are intolerant of anything in our midst, even our own selves. Really, that's what the problem is. A lot of us in the church are still struggling with guilt and sin and video loops in our head that we need help get rid of so that we can really hear God's truth, that he does love us and he does forgive us and he can make new creatures.
0: And that's Satan's tool. He, he continues to want us to remember those things and say, well, you've done too many bad things to make any difference in anybody else. That is not the truth. Chris?
6: So the leaven certainly has no effect on the dough if it's not in the dough. And I think that's what we're looking at here. If we're letting it in and accepting it in, it's going to start affecting things. And just try to think about how that applies to us in the ways. I'm sure each of us are sitting here thinking that the thing we oppose is the leaven. You know how easy that is. Okay? And which may not always be the case. Just thinking about some of the things in the scriptures. You think about Phariseeism, how they how that developed over time, where it became the norm, it became the whole system of their religion and the way that was developed. So, I mean, that's one thing, like what, what could be eleven? Um, desire for, you know, power or control. And, and that's how that was, I think that's how we would view that, the Pharisees. So those types of things that are coming in, certainly once they're inside, has a bigger effect than those outside. The ones outside are not representing God.
0: It's challenging, yeah, for sure, probably So, that become a little more evident in future chapters but yeah I think it is it's uh, which way is it being influenced and so Paul's saying look we've, we've got a responsibility to let those things um, be influenced I don't know what else to say other thoughts on, on that question or tangents of that question Well, in conclusion, Paul was harsh with the Corinthian church for its arrogance and apathy. He was, I'm sorry, he was as harsh with this as he was with the perverted immorality of the sinning man. And so, again, their acceptance of this was just as bad as their accepting of that. For the church to do nothing about persistent immorality is as sinful as to do the immoral act themselves. There's still an issue with allowing these things, saying, I give my stamp of approval for this by not standing up and saying, here's the truth of this matter. I think that's a challenge for us. I think there's a lot of things to chew on here, but I'll just challenge you to be salt and light. Let your ambassadorship of Jesus be prevalent in your life. Thank you, guys. We'll pick up on chapter 6 on Wednesday.